everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cross Street Coaching. We're going to be furthering our conversation on leadership. And as we have the Venn diagram, I have a special guest with me today that both covers both leadership and coaching into the middle section of coaching leadership. With me today is Rach. Hello, Rach. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure. And how do you like to be introduced? I'm I'm Rach. Uh, I am the VP of Coaching Impact at ASAP. Uh, I also am a coach um, uh, through Seabell Shafiq Coaching, and um, you know, just uh, I, I often joke um, I'm a uh, software by day, Potter by night, and parent twenty four seven. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Do you do you actually do ceramics? Yes. Yeah, I do actually. In my uh, in my first chapter of my life, uh, I was a full-time potter and ceramics teacher. And uh, that was a pre-crash of the recession. Understood. Understood. So would you like to start there? Talk about your little kind of journey into how one becomes the VP of coaching impact other yeah. than being molded by clay, <laughs> literally? Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I had, I, I feel like a lot of us uh, who are coaches often start out with, you know, I did not have a, a traditional path. And so I'm going to say that that line too. I did not have a traditional path. Um, I did not know where I wanted to go. Uh, I wound up at a small liberal arts college in upstate New York um, because, it's, you know, I was told like you had to go to college. Uh, and I got there uh, and went, oh, wow, I have made the biggest mistake of my life. And uh, fortunately, was able to pivot, uh, found myself uh, into Rhode Island School of Design, uh, got my bachelor's of fine arts in ceramics, actually landed a job in my field, uh, which was so exciting. I was running a ceramics program out in Western Mass and could barely afford to eat. Um, so you know, all those amazing, like, oh, my God, I, I did it. I landed this job and like could not make it all work. Um, and was, you know, struggling, cobbling things together. And then the recession hit and uh, you know, all my sales dried up. All the nonprofits that I was teaching at to cobble things together, um, you know, ran out of their funding. And I was, uh, I think I would say it was luck. Uh, I actually had my first encounter with a coach. I didn't, I didn't really realize what I was uh, getting from interacting uh, with this coach. I thought I was getting uh, a career counselor, actually. Um, I, I spent the little bit that I had left in savings because I was like, I have to figure this out. I don't know how I'm going to continue to make ends meet. Found her online. Um, it was the most important money that I spent in my 20s. And she helped me figure out how I would pivot. And I uh, found myself into marketing uh, at nonprofits, which was sort of my linear incremental step forward. That got me into software, uh, made my way to HubSpot, uh, started uh, first consulting uh, to people who needed marketing strategy, uh, and then started focusing internally on teams. Um, and that's where you know, coaching and learning and design started really coming together for me as my career pursuit. Um, I had my own team. I was in managing uh, L&D for uh, all these other teams. Um, and then, 
left HubSpot, proceeded to go on a very confusing journey for a few years, uh, designing learning and development programs, um, but not quite figuring out a place that I felt at home at. Uh, And then uh, in 2019, I got connected with uh, Will, who's the CEO at ASAP. Um, He invited me over to uh, the office. We had a cup of tea. I was like, oh my gosh, you are doing exactly what I want to be doing. You're the intersection of software and coaching. (laughs) It's like one of those moments where you're sitting having a cup of tea with someone. You're like, wow, it all just suddenly became very clear. Um, And so I've been at ASAP for the last year and a half uh, focusing on uh, what we call coaching impact. Uh, So I manage all of our coaches. Uh, I design our processes for coaching, making sure our coaches have all the resources that they need to do their craft really well. Um, and you know, uh, getting them connected with coaches that they can support. Well, that is quite quite a journey. Several <laughs> yeah. stops on the way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would I want to dive into ASAP, but I'm I'm curious that as you kind of see that that initial journey from ceramics and teaching ceramics, was there something that kind of connected with the rage today that's mm-hmm. rooted in that original teaching? Yeah, that's really, uh, I love that question because absolutely, um, you know, I would, I'd be running adult classes and would find that, you know, everyone had their hands in clay, but we were having group coaching conversations, basically. Um, You know, people bringing whatever was front and center in their life was coming into those conversations and creating a space and holding that space for people, um, you know, whatever, whatever they needed at that time. And I didn't have the vo- the coaching vocabulary back then to say like, oh, I'm, I'm holding space for folks. <laughs> uh, and I didn't realize that, you know, group coaching was a thing. Um, but that's exactly what we were doing. And I think clay and and pottery, if you've ever sat at a potter's wheel, is a really, really good analogy for coaching because clay is all about centering. Uh, You rely on on a spinning wheel and and making sure that that clay doesn't get off center and go flying everywhere. And it will. Friction happens. It's a reality. Uh, You have to have this balance of structure in the clay, uh, water on your hands, breathing. And when I teach people how to throw, I'm teaching them about being centered and being balanced and mindfulness. The vessel that they're making is a byproduct of all of that. And so I think that's really what coaching is to me. It's just when I do professional coaching, there isn't clay. Although asterisks, I am determined to figure out how there will be clay someday. (laughs) I think there can be a, a blending of art coaching. Yeah. And that's so curious that you have a very kind of tactile metaphor that literally you experienced that internalized coaching in reflection. You're like, oh, what we were doing was group coaching because right at the time, you know, most of us before we get into coaching don't have that vernacular to automatically. It's not common language. But in yeah. the retrospective, you're saying what we were doing physically is the same thing that's happening internally for people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people have experiences, right? They do um, rock climbing or, you know, maybe they um, they go out and do whitewater rafting or skiing, snowboarding, but they don't traditionally say, oh, I just want to do this every day of my life. But you had that experience with working with a coach. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was about that experience that resonated with you to come full circle back into this industry? 
Yeah. Um, it was such a profound experience. I think up until that point in my life, so I was probably, it was my mid twenties uh, when I met her and it was a, it was a package of like five sessions um, and a whole bunch of work in between and not sure what your growing up experience was, but for me, there was a lot of telling you what you were good at or telling you what you really weren't good at and should work on. And there was never a process of, you know, well, what, what can you see yourself doing? What do you wish you could do more of? What do you wish you could do less of? Um, I remember at one point uh, that, that first year at that liberal arts school being like, oh, so if I don't want to take a math class, I never take another math class the rest of my life. Like, you know, you go from high school, which is so highly structured. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a bit of, you know, ripping the rug out from under you, you go from highly structured to, you know, okay, go, go figure it all out. And, um, you know, you're, you're really good at art, you'll just make it all happen from there. And like, you know, forget about whether you actually want to run a business that sells a tangible good or not. Um, is that actually leveraging your strengths? So I, I met this, uh, this woman, her name was Patricia. And, we, she asked me all of these really great questions that helped me start thinking about what my actual goals were, what mattered most to me. Uh, we did a values exercise. And up until that point, I, I think I would have told you, well, we were all supposed to value the same thing. We're supposed to value family. We're supposed to value the community that we're a part of. Um, and what she made me realize was, you know, it's so unique what you value. And if you're not working within those values, how can you possibly be true to yourself? And how can you possibly be on the path that you need to be on? And and so that just, it was such a transformative experience. And I found myself going back to the resources that we worked on um, and some of the activities over those years that followed. Was I being true to myself? Uh, was I being true to my values? Uh, was I tapping into my juice, as she called it, um, the, you know, the things that really nourished me? Um, or was I just working in sort of a depleted zone? That's awesome. And I love the term, the juice. Yeah. I think that's, that's an easy one for a lot of people to pick up on. Yeah. So you had this profound experience. You had this journey goes from a very tactile experience that, that you kind of have wrapped your head around in what you do in a professional coaching setting. How did that lead you into leadership? You know, leadership of coaching, because coaching can sometimes can be this very one on one thing and you, you do your business model and you keep going and this is the way it is on cruise control. Yeah. So, um, I, I overtly went into coaching where like, you know, if we think about the before, um, you know, with the clay, um, I actually became mindful that I was going into coaching, uh, while I was at HubSpot. So, uh, I became a new manager, uh, got some training and some resources, uh, in that, in that process. But, uh, I decided, you know, I would, I would really dig in and and research and get myself some external training um, outside of the company, and it was it was an interesting time. I was we were having trouble getting more people uh, into the role that I was hiring for. Um, you know, so historically it was kind of a role that people grew into. Uh, and I don't know if people had just sort of stopped being interested, but um, basically 
I realized that there was uh, there was a bit of a gap happening um, between some of these different feeder roles. And I started, first I started looking at it through an L&D lens. You know, was it just training? Did we need to train people better in order to be able to move up uh, into these, these different roles? Uh, and then I realized that it was actually coaching that was needed. Um, and so I actually went and got my coach certification, uh, my first round of coach certification, uh, and started designing a program internally for folks who wanted to really take their career by the horns, um, but they didn't really know what to do. Um, basically, I was designing a program for me, pre-Patricia, um, but within a software company. And uh, and started working with uh, some of our most entry-level employees on like, hey, this is your, for many of you, this is your first job. And do you know how to navigate this? What are your career goals? What are your obstacles? And, you know, just really starting to provide them that that coaching resource that a lot of folks needed. Um what happened was I was still managing my team while also doing this. Um, and so at one point I, I finally said to my manager, uh, these are two jobs at once. We've got to pick a path. Um, and, the, and, uh, I was really fortunate. She said, okay, you know, go, go forth with coaching. Go keep do your coaching. This. Yeah. Keep doing this. You're going to, you're going to do training programs and you're going to, and you're going to do coaching. Um, and so I, I built that out. Uh, and then from there went on to build learning and development programs for some other organizations. Um, and then that, that's how I found my way to, to ASAP. Oh man. So, so many good questions here. There's so many routes we can take. I'll try to <laughs> try to pose my questions in a chronological order. So you first identified when you were a a leader that there was a gap, a problem to solve. And of course, it's very common for businesses to default. This is a training issue. We're just not Mm -hmm. setting them up for success. But can you talk about what it was that led you to realize that this was more of a coaching issue rather than just more e-learning content or another classroom, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I was really lucky. I had an amazing mentor within HubSpot. Uh, His name was Andrew, and he was the VP of Learning and Development. And he spent a lot of time just having coffee with me and and mentoring me. And one of the things that I learned in his training classroom, and then we had lots of mentoring conversations, was uh, the, um, the resource situational leadership. Are you familiar with it? Of course. Awesome. Okay. So situational leadership developed by Ken Blanchard, uh, you know, as a, as a first time manager was so helpful for me. I, you know, new managers need frameworks. It was, it was a framework. It was, uh, it was very accessible. I realized though, that it, like, it was a challenge for me because as you get folks moving into the, you know, it's not so shiny and new anymore. This is harder. This is tougher. Uh, and also into the, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They don't feel confident in what we're, what they're doing. That's all coaching. And as a, as a new manager, that is such a challenge to coach somebody and not just tell them what to do. And so that's where I I just more and more realized you had to take a coaching approach. Um, and it's, it's hard. Um, it's also hard when you're a new manager and you report to somebody who doesn't necessarily get 
that model and they're breathing down your neck wanting to see change and see results and you're like we need to coach people and uh and they're like no hurry up i want to see results <laughs> um so i think that was uh that was really when i started to internalize this this relationship of uh, managers and coaches and being a coach yourself as a manager, um, but also needing managers who aren't in that uh, manager uh, framework uh, to support individuals uh, to overcome their obstacles. Excellent. And for those of you playing at home, if you haven't heard of Ken Blanchard's situational leadership, the easiest way I can explain it is an X and Y axis, and I'm, I'm making t- a plus sign with my hands, or you can think of it as a two by two grid that helps to design to place people if it's a skill or a will issue. Would you would you agree with that, Rach? Yeah, absolutely. And you determined that it was not necessarily a skill issue. It was more of a will issue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will and will and confidence. Um, you know, the, the people that I have coached, uh, especially with mindfulness towards this model is uh, there's a lot of learned helplessness out there. Um, there's a lot of engineered imposter syndrome, uh, both in, you know, internally somebody not believing in themselves, uh, but also the systems around them that enter, that um, reinforce that imposter syndrome. And, and so I think, you know, coaching and helping people build their confidence to believe in themselves, to believe in their skills is also a really important piece in there. Yeah. I mean, that's bread and butter for all coaches, which is to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, with the unknown, explore. Yeah. I love it. One of the other things that stuck out to me that you said is that you were creating a program for pre Patricia Rach, right? And so tell me a little bit, because I've, I've heard from this and I think that a lot of us coaches kind of, we get into this space to fix something that we wish we see in ourselves or in other people. So tell me a little bit about kind of what, how you realized that was what was going on and how this helped make your program, your coaching program better. I think about it a lot. Like it's not, it's about getting away from the, the job fair mentality and the always interviewing mentality. And and so what I mean, I'll explain what I mean by that is, you know, the job fair person walks in, they see all these bright, shiny possibilities, and they try and mold themselves into fitting one of those so that they can interview and get those jo- that job. And it's this constant you know, molding of yourself, making yourself as perfect as you can to the people who would hopefully say yes to you. And prior to meeting Patricia, that's what I had always done is, you know, how can I convince you to hire me? How can I convince you to accept me into this school? Um, you know, how can I uh, how can I be this best version? And what Patricia helped me realize was, you know, I needed to figure out where I needed to go and what were my strengths. And again, that juice, you know, what was going to make me want to get out of bed every day and go do the thing that I was going to be doing the majority of the time, you know, 40 to 60 hours a week is a lot of time to spend doing something. Is it Huge. in line with what you want to uh, what you want to be doing the most of. Not that you have to love your every second of your job, every moment of the day, um, but do you have a fighting chance to be successful at it um, and feel good about it? And is it 
meeting your hierarchy of needs. No one else can tell you what is the most important to you. You need to know what's the most important to you. And so this program uh, that I had designed and, and still the way that I coach today is helping individuals figure out, you know, okay, if you've gotten into this company and you're in an entry-level position and you want to move up, are you waiting for somebody else to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, I anoint you ready to be (laughs) at this next level. And, you know, you've sort of gotten on a conveyor belt that's going to move you forward when that conveyor belt decides. Or are you owning your development? Do you take advantage of trainings that are available to you? Do you use your own tuition assistance if your company provides that to figure out what you might want to take on to start to flex new skills? Are you in the driver's seat? You know, if if the next step that your boss has in their mind isn't going to bring you a lot of joy, then why is that your conveyor belt? And can you have a quality conversation? It's not that you have to quit your job, but you may be able to may be able to pivot into a different role that leverages the things you're really great at and do more of in with teams that that you like. That's that's the real attrition piece. I think there are people who love the companies that they're at. They don't love the role that they're in. It doesn't mean that they need to leave. And so I I try not to talk about coaching always as, you know, what is your obstacle? Um, because it's so much more than that. You know, what is uh what is the thing you're looking to tackle today? What is the thing that you are looking to go towards? And have you, you know, figured out your way forward? That's such a great metaphor. I mean, that really resonates with me, the idea of being on a career conveyor belt that starts and stops in a sea of conveyor belts, right? Rhapsody in blue playing in the background as you're like going and passing people in, uh, you know, trench coats and briefcases. That kind of leads us to where you're at today, which is, you know, an excellent path to get there. But now you're a vice president of coaching impact. What is a vice president of coaching impact? Um, well, uh, every day is different, which works really, really well for me. Uh, cause mm-hmm. I do like change. Um, I, uh, so I manage our coach network. Um, uh, you know, everyone, everyone who joins our coach network, everyone who is in our coach network, um, you know, I meet with periodically, make sure that they have all the resources that they need. Uh, it's about working with our customer success team, uh, and making sure that they know how to talk about coaching, um, with our, uh, with our clients, um, and their stakeholders and, um, looking at how we, how we measure impact. Uh, of of coaching, um, you know what does what does that change look like? Um, how do we look at that incrementally? Um, and a big piece is also making sure that you know coaches have uh, you know, have the tools and the resources to get the most out of their coaching, and that coaches also have the tools and the resources to support our coaches, uh, our coaches. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a multi-stakeholder, uh, framework. Um, you know, when I, when I coach one person who comes to me through my, uh, my seatbelt should be coaching website, that's very different. Uh, you know, of course that person exists within 
uh, a multi-stakeholder fr- engagement, but our, our multi-stakeholder framework, they have a they have a manager who has a manager, they have colleagues, but I'm not coaching a multi-stakeholder engagement there. I'm coaching one person who has come to me because they want coaching. If I am coaching within a company, that's a multi-stakeholder mm-hmm. engagement. That is, you know, you typically an HR leader who purchased coaching for a group of people, uh, typically leaders or emerging leaders uh, within an organization. And so then you really have to start to think about uh, the systems that exist within there. And how do you support those systems? Because there are there are themes uh, that come out of that. Uh, and so that's um, sort of balance all of those sides uh, from you know what I've built in the past uh, within organizations, uh, but also with one uh, what I've done one-on-one coaching to make sure that the needs of all of these groups uh, are met. Um, and so, you know, the best resource that I can recommend to anyone who is you know, trying to do similar work uh, or is an HR leader that is trying to figure out what is their next step um, mm-hmm. that they want to take to support their team uh, is Peter's Hop. Peter Hawkins' book on systemic coaching, because uh, I think um, I think he's really the person who has captured it the best. It's a pretty dense book. Uh, I highly recommend a, a pen and a lot of post-it notes as you write it, as you <laughs> read it. Um, but uh, but that's um, that's really where I draw uh, a lot of uh, guidance and, and inspiration. And I think it's a it's a pretty common place to realize that that coaching and leadership, it's not like on and off, like very kind of binary is that it's two kind of mixing sliders where you're blending, especially in a leadership position where you've kind of got two worlds, right? You've got your own kind of internal coaching that use your background. And now you've got um, being a, a vice president of coaching impact as well. So how did you develop your particular blend? Um, I read a lot. Um, so it's, uh, I guess I, I sort of do the 70, 20, 10 rule for myself. Um, you know, 70% is just practicing and doing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, I think, uh, as a coach, you're always learning as you go along as well. Um, you know, what works, what doesn't, um, then there's the 20%, you know, are you just always reading and accessing resources and also talking to other coaches? I spend a lot of time meeting and talking to other coaches who are at all different stages of their path. Um, you know, folks who have been doing this for years and years and years, folks who are new, uh, who have brand new perspectives. Um, and that's really helpful. Um, and I always walk away with new ways of thinking. Um, also mindfulness development. Uh, so not overtly coaching, um, but just how are you thinking about being more and more mindful? Um, in this last year, I think we've all realized that it's easy to get on those conveyor belts. Uh, and are you being mindful of when you need to hop off uh, and stop just being in motion? And then the other piece is always be growing um, through overt training. Um, so, you know, each year, are you doing something to further your skills, to further develop, to push yourself out of the comfort zone? Um, so you're bringing that all together, um, it's uh it's a lot to always be growing, um, but the alternative is that conveyor belt. Yeah, the conveyor belt 
analogy comes back. It's like it's just so so good imagery for me, which which lends to the question: What is it that Rach does for herself to to be growing? I mean, you mentioned systemic coaching was a was a a good solid book for you and a good book recommend. We'll have those in the in the show notes. What other sort of things is helping you grow in the past six months? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, so my original coach certification uh, actually was not on a path for ICF, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, you know, at the time when I went through it, uh, that wasn't really on my mind. Um, so in the last uh, in the last six months, I actually went through another coach certification program. Um, and that was incredible because while many things I had covered in my original training, it was going through it with just a renewed, fresh sense, um, new colleagues to go through, to go through it with too. Um, so I have an incredible cohort of folks that I went through, uh, in that training, um, and continuing to meet with them every month, um, you know, hopefully indefinitely, um, that's part of, you know, keeping, uh, keeping that network uh, and meeting new folks um, in my network. Um, The other thing is uh, the IOC, uh, the Institute of Coaching uh, through Harvard. Uh, They are incredible. They put out such incredible uh, articles and uh, webinars. Uh, So I I go to uh, multiple multiple webinars uh, and discussions a month. Um, So that's great. Um, That's part of that. You know, coaches have been doing this significantly longer than I have and coaches who are brand new um, and all those perspectives coming in together. Um, So that's been great. Uh, Accepting a lot of LinkedIn invites and just taking coffees (laughs) with folks, uh, even virtual coffees. Uh, That's actually the, the thing that I think in the pandemic has also been really fun. It is hard to meet new people when you are locked down for a year. And so meeting new folks via, you know, Zoom and a cup of coffee and um and being a little bit more casual. That's that's really great uh, as well. And then keeping my eye out for I guess I would call them a little bit longer trainings, you know, where a webinar is a one and done. Are there trainings that I can sign up for that, you know, bring me back with the same group of folks? I I get a lot of energy is the word that's coming to mind out of those kinds of trainings um, mm-hmm. because you're you're sharing, you're discussing, then you're going away, you're thinking about it, and then you're coming back again to discuss more. I really love that model. Yeah, these are all great suggestions because as we know, the the proximity effect where you just run into people in your natural circles, that was one of the things that was taken away from us. So kind of seeing if you're going to educational groups for both a social benefit and a learning benefit seems to be some good, solid sage advice. Yeah, and a little a little pro bono coaching as well. You know, giving giving out coaching uh, out into the world. One, I think that helps people who wouldn't know about coaching learn about coaching, uh, which is a benefit. Um, but it also always helps me just break out of the standard. You know, when you're always coaching folks who come, they find your website, they know exactly why they wanted coaching. Um, but when you offer out some free coaching, it, it's also just an opportunity to to work with a totally different person and totally different mindset. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. 
So this has been really interesting. You've shared our, our, your journey, kind of a slice of your leadership mindset, some of the things you employed that got you to this place. But one of the questions that we ask very commonly on the show is you've told us about what you do professionally. What does Rach do to take care of herself since she is taking care of so many other people? Yeah, um, I, I am. And I have a, and I have a five-year-old who, uh, who I adore and who has a lot of energy. So, um, you know, uh, another interesting thing from the pandemic was, uh, last year I realized, uh, I was probably like a week into lockdown. If I never left my house and went for a walk, I, I was going to go crazy. Um, and I live in, uh, I live right outside of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, so it's cold here in, in March. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's actually, I always think March is actually the hardest month because it's cold and it's rainy cold um, when, when we stop having as much snow. Uh, and I just started making sure that I walked every single day. And so I, I used to do a lot of yoga. I've found now that I actually do a lot of, I meditate every single day and I go for a walk. And often while I walk, I I listen to some podcast that gets me out of my head and helps me learn about the world outside of me, whether it's reporting on the news uh, or reporting on something that you know I just didn't know about, like some cool design thing, and just going for a half an hour walk. And I can feel when I have skipped like two consecutive days, I'll be like, oh, whoa we need to get outside. Um, and so trying to, yeah, I need to start like stacking that at the start of the day. You know, vitamin D is really important. I also hear that it's really important against COVID. Um, but just feeling air that is not stale on, on your skin. Um, you know, seeing other people, even though we're distanced, I, you know, I always love, you can tell when someone's smiling at you, even through the mask, uh, cause you know, the sides of their eyes, uh, move um, and just I, rain shine. I go outside. That's my. That's how I've been nurturing myself. Love it. Love it. Rain shine. Yep. And it is. <laughs> it's such a simple thing to do, but it is very, very hard. So for those of us, and I'm speaking to myself as someone that gets like literally locked to their desk for days on end and only realizes at you know like seven in the evening that they haven't left the house all day. How do you even start? <sighs> That is a great question. I love that. Yes, that as a follow up because you know people can say, "Oh, you know, go do this." And it's like, yeah, how? Um, so uh, for me, uh, since I'm giving advice, not actually coaching in this moment, totally. uh, for me, what works is um, one of my colleagues said this to me, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to try this." I try and turn a meeting into a walking meeting. Not everything has to be by Zoom. Not everything has to have my fingers on a keyboard. And it's actually, it's really freeing, first of all. And I actually think it's idea generating. Because if you are actually meeting with someone to be creative and come up with new ideas, get outside, see beyond the, what, I think my computer screen is maybe a foot and a half from my face right now. See out further, walk, get your blood flowing. And suddenly like you're having these exciting conversations and you're gesturing wildly. And my whole neighborhood must think I'm a crazy person uh, because they see this masked person walking, gesturing wildly. But (laughs) if you can turn even one 30 minute meeting a day into a walking meeting, you just got outside for half an hour and went for 
a walk. That's awesome. And there is very, very little downside to that as well, other than people yeah. might hear a, a dog or a birds chirping. Yeah. And I also, the other thing uh, that I started doing was, you know, when you're all home all the time, you know, you, your partner, your child, and my partner's a high school teacher. We never imagined in our lives we would be working out of the same space for a mm-hmm. year. It's just, it's crazy. Um my my five year old uh, also had to deal with this whole reality. So we had to uh, we you know, I start very early. Uh, we are very lucky. She gets a little bit of uh, school time, and then she's uh, she's with me. And then my partner wraps up teaching, and then they're with her. It's it's a lot of start and stop and change. Um, and so I then go back to work um, and. When I'm done, uh, you know, we were all, it was like, okay, now we sit down and we eat dinner. And my five-year-old was just melting down at the dinner table. And I realized that she needed a little bit of me time to transition from this oscillating work day to, okay, we're all now here. So I started doing an evening walk with her. And so I would leave and she always says, are you done? I say, I'm done. We would grab our masks and we put on our jackets and um, we live in a very unique space where we're sort of in a city, but we kind of live, uh, we also live on the edge of a lake. And so we would walk out and say hi to the lake every night. And it's very beautiful. And the lights sort of dance off of it. And we would just walk and it was 10 minute, you know, we would walk out, we'd walk back. And it was this amazing way to transition out of the day. And so that's the other piece is we've lost a lot of our transitions because of COVID. We don't have a commute. Uh, Your commute used to be a time where you might call a friend or listen to a podcast or you drink your coffee on the train. All of that's gone. Mm-hmm. We just go right into work mode and then we go right into dinner parent mode. And so can you engineer some quality transitions that you look forward to? Yeah, even with the physical door by leaving your residence in whatever right. form. I love it. Right. right. Well, Rach, exactly. this has been such an excellent, excellent conversation. Thank you so much for coming on and, and again, sharing us a slice of your views on leadership and telling us about your journey here. Where can people find out more about you? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I have a website, uh, Um That is an incredibly long name. So uh, it's uh, S-E-B-E-L-L-S-H-A-V-I-T coaching.com. And um, also on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Rach Seabell Shavit on LinkedIn. So uh, when you type that name in, uh, you can also connect with me and uh, always happy to, to chat with people via, via messages there too. Love it. We'll be happy to test that theory if there can be only one but we'll have links to all that in the show notes but thank you so much for coming on again awesome thank you so much for having me this was excellent to chat with you you're absolutely welcome and for everyone at home until next time